You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. Hey, it's great to see you all this morning. How you doing? So glad that you chose to spend part of your busy day here with us as we worship the Lord together. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. If you are new, you will have noticed three of us identify ourselves as one of the pastors. There's four of us. Um, we are all simply pastors. We are all here simply to serve you. Thank you so much for being here. Today we start a new sermon series. That series is going to run through September and October. Now, about a year ago, we looked at the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look back at the words of Jesus. We're going to kind of be looking at a series of parables and stories and teachings from Matthew 17 to 20. They have a common thread, and that common thread is discipleship. Now, as Matthew writes his gospel, uh, what Peter says about Jesus, you remember when Jesus said, who do people say I am? And they answered, then he said, okay, but, but you, who do you say that I am? And Peter kind of speaks for the whole group and he answers. That becomes a watershed moment in the book of Matthew. In the first half of his book, Matthew has three major public teaching sessions. We see the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. We see a day of teaching that ends up in Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And then three days of teaching in which Jesus feeds 4,000. During that period of time, he also did many miracles, and he ends up sending the disciples out on a mission trip. Then the disciples recognize Jesus as the Messiah. That's what Peter says. We believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, it appears like in the first part of Matthew, that's what Matthew was really focusing on, that they would recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Once that's done, Jesus moves on to the next big purpose of his ministry on earth, that the disciples learn to become disciple makers. So the second half of the book of Matthew starts in chapter 17. It's introduced not only by Peter recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, but by God recognizing Jesus as his own son. We have the transfiguration. Jesus takes three of them, uh, Peter and James and John. They go up on a mountain and they see Jesus changed in front of them. He becomes white and then a cloud comes down from heaven and out of the cloud we hear a voice 
This is my son. Listen to him. Wow. So Jesus is recognized as the Messiah. And Jesus is recognized as the Son of God. Then they come down off the mountain. And this happens. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for him. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, now not to the man, but to the disciples, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you. To me, it's kind of uh, uh, a relief to see that Jesus got frustrated too. He looks at the disciples and he says, ah, come on. How long do I have to put up with you guys? Now you think about it. They have just said, hey, you're the Messiah. But it appears not to have made much of a difference in their lives, does it? This guy brings a, a boy to him. And they can't do anything. Well, we go on. Jesus says to the father, bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Never had a problem again. Great. Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, so why couldn't we cast out that demon? And Jesus said, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, how many of you have mustard seeds as spice in your kitchen? I mean, they're tiny, they're, they're tiny, tiny, tiny little things. If you even had that much faith, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would, it would move. Nothing would be impossible. What Jesus says is, fellas, you're worried about your technique. You couldn't cast out the demon. It is not your technique. It's your connection. Mark says it a little bit differently. In the book of Mark, same story, but a different uh, eyewitness brings up different things. In the book of Mark, same story. The man brings his boy to the disciples. They can't do anything. Jesus comes off the mountain. The man approaches Jesus and says, can you help me? I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't help. And Jesus, again, in the book of Mark, he says, you guys, come on. Then in the book of Mark, 
Jesus says, bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. When the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Now, put yourself in that situation. That kind of stands out, doesn't it? That, that is noteworthy. The boy sees Jesus, falls to the ground, starts foaming at the mouth. Jesus says to the father, how long has this been happening? The father answers, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us. Help us. If you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Then Jesus looks at the man and he says, what's at play here is your faith. Anything is possible to someone who believes. And the father says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love that answer. I believe. But I have doubts. I'm just not sure. But I believe. Now Jesus looks at the man who has just said, help my unbelief. And he says, you know what? That little bit of faith that you have, that mustard-sized faith that you have, that's enough. He doesn't chastise the man. He doesn't say, why do you doubt? He says that to the disciples, but not to the boy's father. Jesus is not concerned at all about the man's unbelief. He just accepts his faith. Tells me a lot about faith. God doesn't care if you have doubts. That's okay. God doesn't care that you don't have all the answers. God doesn't care that everything isn't just so in your faith. If you have even just that much faith, that's enough. That's good. You can do miracles with just that much faith. What God cares about is indifference. When you just don't care anymore. Yeah, God's worried about that. God's concerned when he sees indifference. He's not concerned when he sees doubt. You know why? Because if you have doubts, it means that you are still seeking God. It means that you still care. It means that you're still looking for answers. It's just that not everything has made complete sense yet. That's okay. God accepts that because if you even have just that much faith, that's enough. 
So we need to figure out what faith means. So let's talk about that. What does faith mean? Let's start with what faith is not. Faith is not simply believing something about Jesus. Believing that he lived and that he was the son of God and that he was the Messiah and that he did miracles and that he was crucified. Faith is not just about believing about Jesus. James writes about this in the book of James. He says, you say you have faith if you believe that there is one God. Now what James actually says is he actually quotes what a good Jew would say four times a day. When he gets up in the morning, in the middle of the day, when he gets home, and then when he goes to bed. They would stand, they would face east, and they would repeat religiously the Lord thy God the Lord is one James says you believe that you have faith because you believe the Lord is one good on you that's great good for you even the demons believe that and they tremble it doesn't do them much good does it faith is not just believing something about Jesus. It is not just intellectual assent. Faith is also not about working. It's not about our behavior. Now it may impact our behavior, but too often we start to think that faith is about what we do because we all want to earn things that are given to us. We want to earn our salvation. Faith is not about working for. Faith is also not about being sincere. Have you ever heard that? Oh, if you just believe, just have faith. Faith isn't a feeling. It's not about sincerity. It's not about being sincere in our beliefs, thinking that God will count that as a good thing, no matter what we believe. No. The object of our faith is important too. Well, that's what faith is not. So what is faith? Well, great question. We could preach a sermon series on what faith is? That is a huge question. I'm not going to try to answer it all this morning. I'm just going to say three simple little things about faith. First of all, faith is coming to Jesus. It's seeking for Jesus. John 6.35, Jesus himself said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see the parallelism there, Al? Coming to and believing are kind of the same thing. Faith starts when we begin to earnestly seek for Jesus. 
Faith starts when we recognize that the answer to our problems, we're not going to find it in here. We're not going to find it in ourselves. We are not the solution to our problems. We're the source of much of our problems. We got to find the solution somewhere else. We got to find the solution to our problems in Jesus. Faith starts with coming to Jesus. Then faith is receiving. John 1.12, to all who believed him and accepted him, received him. He gave the right to become children of God. If you seek Jesus, you will find Jesus. Because he does not hide from you. He wants you to look for him. And when you do, he says, okay, good. Here I am. Receive me, accept me. It implies welcoming him. It implies a friendship with him. It implies embracing him. And when we do, look at what he does. He adopts us into his family. He makes us children of God just as he is a son of God. We become members of his family together with Jesus. So faith is coming to Jesus. Faith is receiving Jesus. And then faith is following Jesus. Here in the very context, uh, what the 12 disciples just heard before Jesus went up on the mountain, Jesus said to them, if any of you wants to be my follower, if you want to follow me, give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. He literally says, if you want to be my disciple, he starts off the second half of this verse, uh, of this book, talking about what it means to be his disciple. Give up your own way. The actual words are deny yourself. We don't speak in that language. But what he's talking about is giving up control of your life. I don't know about you guys. I like thinking that I'm in charge of my own life. The reality is very different. I am not in charge of my own life. The more I think I am, the worse it goes for me. Jesus says, no, give up control. I've got this. If you're going to follow me, just stop trying to control your own life and recognize that I've got it. Then he says, take up your cross. They knew what a cross was. And apparently at this time, part of the punishment of crucifixion was that you would carry that heavy cross beam to which you would be nailed and placed on the cross. Jesus said, willingly embrace 
your own death, your own limitations, the reality, the ultimate reality that you're not in charge. Recognize that a time is coming when you'll die. You will have given it all for me. And then follow. Do the things that I am doing. Think like me. Act like me. Do the things that I'm doing. Primarily, Jesus looked at other people. He tried to do the best for other people. Jesus says, do that. Give up control. Embrace your own mortality, your own limitations, and serve others. Follow me. Three simple little things. Ha! Simple, right? Faith is coming to Jesus. Faith is receiving Jesus. And faith is following Jesus. What we're saying is that as Jesus begins this second part of his book, where he wants his disciples to learn what it means to be disciples, to be disciple makers. What Jesus is saying is that disciple makers who want to live, love, and go like Jesus have true faith. Now here we are in church. We all have faith, right? Well, I wish that were true. But I believe that it's not. I was led to the Lord by a man named Stanley Tam. Stanley was uh, a speaker. He, he would speak in churches through uh, Ohio. Uh, he, he, uh, he would actually travel overseas and speak for a period of time uh, when he would travel to Latin America, frequently I would translate for him. And uh, that gave me a little bit of an insight into Stanley. Because Stanley, before he'd get up to speak, he'd just be sitting there with his translator and he'd just kind of talk. One of the things that he said to me really stuck with me. He said, Randy, you know, I speak a lot in churches and the reason I do that is because 60 to 70% of the people in churches are just going through the motions. They don't have real faith. And that stuck with me. I have no idea what the percentage is, but I'm convinced that it's not zero. A lot of times we come to church because that's what a good guy does. That's what a good gal does. They go to church when it's Sunday morning. And that's great. That's great. But it reminds me of what James said. You believe you have faith because you go to church? Well, the demons come with you and they tremble. <laughs> Being a disciple maker is about having real faith. 
It's about stopping the game playing. It's about not coming to church because that's what we do. It's about losing that indifference. And instead, going deep with the Lord. So we're coming to the end of the sermon this morning. Frequently we will take time and uh, reflect on the sermon. Today as you look back at the sermon, ask yourself, where have I been indifferent to following Jesus? You know, most of us are not completely indifferent. It's not that we don't care. We're here this morning. That shows that we do care at least a little bit. But I believe that there are areas of our lives that we say, I got that. Lord, I really don't need you there. Or if you would, Lord, I really don't care for you getting involved in that. I've got that. I'll do that. Where have you been indifferent to following Jesus in your life? How can you seek Jesus more? What do you need to do to kind of step out in faith and begin to do new things that draw you closer to him? What concrete step can you take? What do I need to do tomorrow to follow Jesus more? When Jesus came to the end of his ministry, he invited his friends, he invited his disciples, those who would become the disciple makers to a meal and during that meal he said I want you to remember this I want you to remember me I want you to come to me to receive me and to follow me Later on, his other followers talk to us about that. Paul says, when you do this, when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, remember him. Spend time thinking about yourself, evaluating what you're doing, changing what you're doing if it needs to be changed. And then come and share together. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you 
as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.